What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Troll Bro, dude. And Sam is back from his vacation. Sam, how you doing? Great. And I am so excited for today's show. You know, last week, Trill did, um, you know, the music listen podcast while I was out of town. And now we are finally going to do it. Two hours of video games. Okay, we're going to start with Yakuza 0. We're going to move our way into Disco Elysium, another great flick. We're going to then move on to Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. Now, this is the remaster, so it's a little bit different, but it's still very good. Then we have Nier Automata, and then we will finally move into Mass Effect. Okay, so buckle in, everyone. Two hours of video. All right, his mic has been muted. He has been compromised. We will no have no longer have to listen to him spew about this nerd shit on our Alpha Basketball Podcast. I, you know what, I that that's on me. I, I looked and you you said that I'm, uh, you said no to that, which I read that as N O, meaning nice. Awesome with an O. Oh, so, cool. That, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of on me. Yeah. Um, I guess we're gonna. I guess we're gonna talk about uh, uh, Damian Lillard today. Um, yeah. Sorry. Okay. okay. Cool. Never again. Cool. By the way, don't ever, ever, ever waste airtime <laughs> <laughs> on your nerd shit. It's so funny because I've actually, I've actually recently got back into video games a little bit now that we've had some downtime uh, with no NBA and and just kind of needing to fill some more time. And anytime I come across some name of some game I don't know of, I you literally just listed every game that I was like, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> like, but I'm looking through for games to buy, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably some nerd shit Sam would love. Yeah. Yeah, it's all uh, it's all uh, for virgins. So you know, uh, <laughs> not that not that I'm a yeah JRP. Unironically, a bunch of those are JRPGs. I know, except for Disco, <laughs> except for Disco Elysium, which is the communist game. So, oh, so it's banned from the podcast for other reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a capitalist podcast. Speaking yeah. of our capitalist podcast, who's our sponsor, yeah. Carol? Yeah. Uh, the DeVos family. Oh no, sorry. No. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. We got that wrong. That's that's next sorry. week. We unveil that one. So we gotta yeah, wait yeah, for those yeah. checks to clear. Uh, exactly. We got 50k coming in of uh, dark money from the DeVosses <laughs> that we're waiting on us in the DeSantis campaign. Um, yeah, I'm right. gonna say the DeSantis uh, hour starts next week. So <laughs> the YKB Super Pack. <laughs> I've always said that Trill and I have sort of a Casey and Ron thing going on. So <laughs> pretty similar. I eat pudding huh. and uh, Trill yells at me not to do it. So me hungry. <laughs> mm, hungry. Uh, all right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Let's get into oh, it. Oh boy. Uh yeah, let's talk about our sponsors from Underdog. Sorry, Underdog, for having a terrible lead in once again. Uh as we <laughs> As we usually do here on You Know Ball. Obviously, there's no basketball going on. It's, you know, there is WNBA and Big Three stuff, but no NBA stuff going on, I should say. Uh, But right now on Underdog, we are on the verge of football season. The MLB trade deadline was today. We got some slop. I don't know any of the players except for Justin Verlander who were traded. So it doesn't really mean anything to me, but... (laughs) <laughs> my, I do love MLB trade deadline stuff because 
it's always like, oh, the 78th best prospect in the MLB was <laughs> traded for this four-time All-Star. And then there are people like melting down on the timeline. How could we give up this guy? He was killing it for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. <laughs> Baseball rules, man. I got it's so great. It's it's just it's it's delightful. Um, I'm hoping the Mets really turn it around here. It seems like they're in a good spot right now. So. Yeah, they're 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 buying right now. Apparently, mm-hmm. it seems like yeah, <laughs> they're, they're buying they're, they're buying players' contracts for other teams. It seems. Um, <laughs> right now, if you go on Underdog, they have season long picks for pick 'em higher or lower on your favorite player stats. Uh, the Eagles kicking off training camp this week as well. Uh, they had their first practice with pads today, so it's going up. It's lit. Um, Jalen Hurts has apparently been crushing it in camp right now, and I know I've went higher on his passing touchdowns before, or maybe his rushing touchdowns. I can't remember. But either way, I would go higher for sure on Jalen Hurts' passing touchdowns this year. I think he's going to have a super prolific year passing uh because all the reports coming out is that he's just been absolutely destroying. So if he could stay healthy, uh, which he generally actually has had a pretty good track record of health so far in his career, I would go higher on that 23 and a half passing touchdowns. I think he's going to throw upwards of 30 passing touchdowns this year. I think he's going to have a big leap for sure um, in terms of passing touchdowns. So I would go higher on Jalen Hurts. And then we got Aaron Rodgers here. Friend of the program, Aaron Rodgers. You know, yeah, another, we share, uh, another guy we share similar politics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to have Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Rodgers on soon as a duel. Uh, Isaac's been hitting me up about wanting to come on to promote his anti-woke um, clothing brand. So, of course, I had to say yes to that. There's also, uh, you can go Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Kirk Cousins, our guy, Kirk Cousins. We talked about Kirk Cousins last episode. Trevor Lawrence, 27 and a half passing touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to go higher on that. Trevor Lawrence had a really good second half of last year, being coached by former Eagles coach Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. I'm going to put 10 bucks on that, and you could win $30 if Trevor Lawrence and Jalen Hurts both go higher on their passing touchdowns this season so check it out on underdog use the promo code slop that's s-l-o-p to get a 100 deposit match we'll be doing some fun stuff with them all throughout football season basketball season all that good jazz so link is in the description sign up today for underdog if you have not already all right let's get into the the actual basketball talk eight minutes into this <laughs> another, uh, another. Hotly paced episode from the boys. Well, we're we're really, really kind of toughing it out here in this off season in terms of slop. There really mm-hmm. isn't anything going on. It's as we've said before, the great sloppage of 2023, Damian Lillard being, you know, not traded, requesting a trade and not being traded has put a halt on the entire trade market in general, but we did get some interesting news this past week from Shams on Friday, (laughs) which long story short here, the NBA basically sent out a memo to uh, Damian Lillard and his agent, a public memo to be like, Hey, stop fucking around and saying that you only want to be traded to one team and calling other teams and saying, do not 
trade for Damian Lillard because he is going to be unhappy on another team. You wouldn't want to trade for an unhappy superstar. And the response has been about what you would expect. I think most people are saying, yes, this is ridiculous. Uh, Dave just signed his extension last offseason. We've talked about this kind of ad nauseum. But I do just want to talk about the fact that, like, there is a little bit of pushback from, uh, specifically from, let's be honest, from Miami Heat media and fans. But there has been kind of this dialogue around, you know, this is what happens every time is essentially what Dame or I'm sorry, Miami heat fans are saying in response to this, this is what happens. Stars always pick one place. They end up going to one place. But I think that the reason why the league is doing this is probably more so to be like, Hey, you at least have to do the charade of like pretending like there are other teams so that your team doesn't get, fucked in negotiations you just signed an extension last offseason and in addition to that like you know Kevin Durant ended up on the Suns after he he requested a trade to there a year before almost but he did at least go back with the team he did at least play through some of his contract until things really fell apart with the Nets and then you have situations like the James Harden trade a few years ago he had the Nets and the Sixers you had the Anthony Davis situation where he had a list of teams he would be willing to go to, but the Lakers were really the team. And I, I just think that this is basically, like I said, the league just saying, hey, you have to at least pretend that there are other teams because otherwise it's going to look bad for the league if a guy who just signed the, an extension a year ago can handpick the team he wants to go to and also essentially say, hey, uh, you know, I'm not going to put anywhere else on my list so that you have no leverage in these negotiations against Miami. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I I think that what the issue is, is like what Adam Silver's like new prerogative. I, I think like what they're trying to eradicate right now in the league is guys not playing games while they're under contract, essentially is like what they're like really, really looking at like they do not want a Ben Simmons scenario to play out again. Um, they don't want stars. Uh, you know, they, they don't want like load management. There's this idea of like trying to make the regular season, um, you know, more interesting without the obvious fix of just play less games. So, you know, we're going to have things like uh, the, uh, the in-season tournament, um, which I, I think will be fun. I mean, if we're, you know, I think that'll be fine. I'm not like anti tournament or anything like that, but I just, this is like more in line with that. Like, I don't think, cause they know player movement pays the bills. They know that slop is God slop is king yes. in the NBA. And that's how, that's how they turn their six month season into a nine month season is, is slop and slop rumors. And that is what powers everything. Slop is the, the hydroelectric power that turns the wheel for, uh, for three months here. And, if you have guys dictating this stuff too, it's just, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like power balance things going on here, you know, because I think that what you just said is exactly right. I think that the league is okay with stars having this kind of partner 
style arrangement where we all know Dame is going to end up in Miami, no, like pretty much no matter what. But what the league is trying to, it's about the facade, right? It is about the idea of like doing business and the idea of fairness. Like it is um, America, you know, like corruption's allowed, just don't get caught. Like that's not exactly, you know, that, that's it. and that's what, you, you know, what is what we're seeing like play out in real time. So um, yeah, I'm sorry, Miami fans. Uh, the, the jig is up. Our, our God, uh, Joe Cronin has, uh, has, has dictated that Tyler hero will be going to a third team or you'll be stuck with him. So good luck. Uh, so I, I, I do think that that is 100% kind of what this whole thing is about. It's essentially, like you said, the facade of fairness, the facade that players don't just get to pick where they go. You have to at least leak four teams that could potentially be, you can't just say I'm not playing anywhere except for the one spot that I want to play, especially when your whole brand this whole time has been Mr. Loyalty and I'll do whatever it takes for the organization. I think that the league is, is basically trying to avoid, like you said, players missing games, uh, this idea that, you know, this essentially is the new free agency. Let's be honest, you know, the players yeah. don't, players don't get it's not free like you're not just signing a player for nothing you have to pay something but there has been a little bit of kind of pendulum swing from some people within the media that I won't name but I've seen on Twitter saying no this is actually a good deal from Miami and that the Blazers should just get it done and I I do think that they're and and as we've stated before, we had a package that we listed, which was essentially everything the, the Heat could potentially give for Damian Lillard, that plus them taking back some some uh, money in the Nurkic contract, Miami taking back some money in the Nurkic contract, that the Blazers could pretty much easily get off and, and start their rebuild. But I I do think that it is funny just to see kind of People saying the deal isn't that bad when I think in reality for a player of Damian Lillard's caliber, we know who has the leverage now is what I should say is what I'm trying to get at. Because at first it was like, well, Miami actually has leverage because Dame only wants to go there. And it's like, okay, well, if the league is stepping in, I'm surprised we didn't get a longer list since that came out on Friday. But with the league stepping in and basically saying, you know, you can't just demand one spot and force your way there. Plus the fact that, as we've stated before, Portland has no rush to get this deal done. Portland is going to suck no matter what next year. I was looking at the Western yeah. Conference the other day, and yeah. even if they got Dame back, they would suck compared to the rest of the Western Conference. Yeah. like the And, and that's part of the reason why Dame is asking out. But like if you look at, if you were to rank kind of the teams in the West – Portland with or without Dame is probably going to be towards the lower half of those teams outside of the play and picture. And the reason I say why this doesn't matter for, for them is because Portland is essentially sitting in a situation where they're not the team that built their whole off season around a Damian Lillard trade. They built this team to kind of rebuild, give the young balls, the uh, young guys, the ball kind of let them cook a little bit, maybe lose a little bit more so that they can get another prospect in the next draft. And then a year or two from now is when they can really start to sh kind of compete 
in an improved and, and really competitive Western Conference, whereas Miami on the other side has built their entire offseason around acquiring Damian Lillard. Not that they should have like overpaid to keep Gabe Vincent or Max Struess or whatever, but the only move that they've made really is they're all minimum moves. They're bringing in Josh Richardson, Thomas Bryant, uh, drafting Jaime Jaquez, those kind of things. So the pressure is not on Portland. The pressure is on Miami. And I think that that's really what this ends up proving. So like, like we keep hearing these reports, Portland has no interest in what Miami is, is selling to them. Eventually Miami is probably going to have to cave to whatever demands the Blazers have. If this is really going to make a move. And it was a smart move to wait out on this. Cause this isn't even like the Ben Simmons situation two years ago with the Sixers, where that team needed to win now, or the James Harden situation with the Sixers right now, where that team has an MVP in his prime. This is a team that's going to rebuild next year. So they could just wait and they could say, okay, We'll wait until Miami wants to get serious. And now the the more reporting that's coming out, it sounds like they're going to have to give up a lot to even, you know, kind of make this negotiation work. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I just think that that is, you know, the Miami aspect of this is, <clears throat> I, I guess like, I, cause I, Miami fans are like pissed because it's like, this is what, like you said, this is what, um, guys will always only have one thing, but remember the Lakers had to give up a, a shitload for uh, Anthony Davis. That might be like the biggest trade package in NBA history. Um, it's like, when Paul it's all said and done. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, and also Paul George yeah, but... was another guy that they said, Oh, he only had one team on his list. And I do just want to push back on this and say, yeah, but they did that in private. None of that was ever leaked until the move happened. That's the one situation that can't compare to these other ones because these are public negotiations now, whereas Presti was able to extract maximum value for Paul George because no one knew that trade was even happening. And he was saying, look, we won't, we won't leak this to the, to the press, but like, if you want to get Kawhi Leonard, I need to get everything I can possibly get back. Yeah. So that was, so that was going to be my point here is that like, cause, cause what happened, not this CBA, but two CBAs ago with the, um, you, you know, the super max and some of these other, um, you know, the higher raises um, year to year for guys resigning with their own teams is they really wanted to incentivize guys to stay with teams or at least resign with teams, stay under team control. Right. And that is, <clears throat> I think that worked. Um, guys are staying with teams. They're staying for the money. They're taking these bigger bags we're seeing less guys hit unrestricted free agency and kind of <clears throat> teams ending up in that worst case scenario where you lose a guy for nothing when he hits unrestricted free agency. Right. So this is all what, what all of this has been building towards is I think when boomers like bill are complaining about team movement and guys complaining and going out of this, this is just what's replaced free agency. This is actually yeah. a good thing, you know, like, like for teams, like this is a much better situation for Portland than how this would have played out if they weren't able to give him an ungodly sum of money. And it was like a, you know, a $10 million difference or whatever it was versus like a $30 million difference. like it is now, you know, like this is, he would have just signed with Miami and they would have been fucked, you know, like, or not fucked, but they would have been a lot worse off. Um, 
So this idea that suddenly like stars are bullying people, I don't think that's necessarily true. I just think large market teams are getting squeezed a little bit more and they can't just erase mistakes the way that they used to, you know, like I I think that you have to, you just have to build your team a little smarter. If you want to get one of these top, top, top guys, and you've got to have more of these assets. And I think that, you know, we're seeing Miami, you know, not being able to dictate the terms where it's like, they're stuck with Tyler here, the Tyler hero contract, which they thought they were going to be able to unload for free in this deal. And that's not the case. Like they want the Kyle Lowry expiring and they want the the draft picks. They don't want Tyler hero, but it's like not tenable to have him on the team. So, you know, again, I I think we're going to continue to see this pattern of it's a mistake to sign these mid-level guys. And we're going to continue to see the middle class, get kind of squeezed in spite of what uh, Nate Duncan <laughs> said and CJ McCollum retweeted, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I think the the losers are not going to be the teams. It's not going to be um, stars. It's going to be NBA middle-class guys as guys get more and more scared of giving guys like these 20, $25 million contracts that are the new NBA middle-class, you know, at, at the new salary cap, it's going to be somewhere between 25 and 15 million. We're going to see a lot less of those contracts going forward because teams are going to want the flexibility for the stars, you know? Yeah. And it, so, it's funny because Sh- Sh- Shams came out and said, uh, you know, this is what the frame first off every week Shams goes on his show and says the same thing, but in different terms, <laughs> this is uh, something that he's been doing for a little bit now where he was like, this is what the framework of a deal could look like from Miami's perspective. Three to four first-round picks, pick swaps, second-round picks, Tyler Hero to third team, expiring contracts, and young players with S in a, uh, you know, in parentheses. Parenthetical, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think that, I think that this is essentially the same thing that he's been saying, but he's at least willing to admit that Miami's going to have to basically give up everything if they want to acquire Dame because Dame is someone who, you know, the Blazers still have to say yes to this deal. And they have to find that third team to take on Tyler Hero. The expiring contracts, as we've noted before, like mostly Kyle Lowry's money, uh, three to four first round picks and pick swaps was the interesting part to me. Like, I think we could be looking at a situation where the the Blazers actually end up getting everything we talked about. Uh, and maybe they say, there was another report from a Miami reporter that said the Blazers prefer Jaime Jaquez, who they just drafted and is now tra- trade eligible, the Miami Heat just drafted, over Nikola Jovic, which I figured they were going to get both of them, but... Uh, maybe they're just interested in Hawkes and then they're trying to pry more draft picks, whether it's swaps or actual first round picks from the heat. Like we could be looking at a situation where they don't have the, the main piece that the Suns just gave up for Kevin Durant in a Mikhail Bridges. Who's a very good youngish player on a really good contract. They don't have that kind of guy going back, but like you said, they can give them the flexibility if they send back Kyle Lowry. And if they can find a team to take on Tyler hero's contract, 
Plus, they they can give up a, a bunch of draft capital. Like my whole thing is like Miami's been building up to this moment for years. There's no reason that they shouldn't just fucking make a serious offer and get this over with. Because we all know right. how this is going to end. And I think that maybe maybe it just has to. We have to wait until training camp for this all to come together. But we know that Dame's going to end up on the Heat eventually. And like we said, they don't have the leverage just to be able to be like, no, we're good. We're not going to make any moves. The NBA is better than it was before. The Eastern Conference is better. And, and as great as their finals run was, they were an eight seed last year. Like they have a, a, a star player who misses a lot of games and Jimmy Butler, and they have less depth than they have last year, even though they could always pull some depth out of their ass because Spoza, you know, an insanely good coach. <laughs> But it's still my whole point on this is that Miami is not in the driver's seat like they thought they were. And I do think that we're going to end up seeing a deal some point either before just before training camp or during training camp where they're giving up everything that they possibly could. And, uh, you know, Dame ends up on the heat eventually, but it's it's not going to be it's they just don't have the leverage to sit on their hands and do nothing. I can't wait. And well, and they're gonna have the chance to reload too. Um, when Jimmy Butler demands a trade after uh, Dame gets there and uh, shoots the ball, you know, they, they should be able to get a couple starters to fill out around the Dame Bam, uh, you know, pairing. So, what does their team even look like? I, I know it's it's this is famous last words because, like I said, the Heat always pull some bullshit out of nowhere. But mm-hmm. what does their team even look like if let's just say. They keep Jovich and they have to trade Hawkes. Hero's gone. Lowry's gone. Do they, do they, are they like dying? They're probably dying to hold on to Caleb Martin in this situation. Uh, mostly because I, I, I would demand that. And I would demand that if I were the, 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 the trailblazers. That is not, that is like a, sorry. <laughs> this is, you're getting the superstar. You're, you're, I'm, I'm taking Caleb Martin from you. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> I would, I would demand over them like no they're like you're taking Nurkic and you're giving me Caleb Martin you're not dictating terms bitch like this is this is how this is going let's go so Um, let's say that happens let's say that happens the rest of the team is that the rest of the team would be very bad (laughs) like like outside of you would have a great top three probably the best most balanced top three in the NBA right now uh in terms of talent that fits together filling a need with Miami which they always struggle when they get to the higher levels to really generate offense which Dame could help certainly but you have Dame Jimmy and Bam fantastic top three amazing top three let's say they give up Caleb Martin Tyler Hero Kyle Lowry uh Jaime Hawkes in the deal let's say those are the four guys leaving the rest of their roster is Kevin Love Duncan Robinson, Haywood Highsmith, Orlando Robinson, Josh Richardson, Thomas Bryant, and uh, Nikola Jovic. That's pretty bad. That's tough. It's uh, they would really be struggling with. I uh, can't believe you didn't bring up Omer Yurt Seven. Uh, he's gone. They oh, cut him. Gone. They cut yeah. him. Oh uh, no. Yeah. Um. Is Udonis Haslam uh, ret- officially retired now? Or yep, no, wow. they're going to bring him back now that they they need a they need to fill a roster one, spot. Yeah, they need one more uh, way to duck the uh, 
the the charge you get for having empty roster spots. I don't like. I mean, I I do think they will probably find at least that because because what saved them before was they did it twice. They got Struess and um, Gabe Vincent. I think they will do the Miami Heat Devil Magic and get one rotation player out of this somehow. Um, like some guy we've never heard of before that's uh, bounced around, like Ben Macklemore or something like that. I'll have like a resurgence on the like the Miami Heat or something like that. Um, so, but I, I still don't think that's like because you've got a the East is going to be like pretty good. And like Jimmy is going to miss, like if Jimmy only plays like 50 games, like that's really tough to like make that work in the regular season. Like they'll, they'll be a good playoff team, like pretty much no matter what, but like they're, I, even if they get Dame, I think there's a chance they're in the play in like really. Uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty tough for me to imagine. I, I only like say who, because who's behind them now, the Nets, like, the Nets and who? Yeah. Um. I well, this, I mean, what are the Sixers doing? Like, they don't have James Harden. Uh, if they have James Harden, if they don't have James Harden, what are they getting? Back? We don't know what they look like right now, so it's possible that they slip. Um, I mean, I wouldn't bet on it, but there are teams in the East that were in that top six, I guess it was. So who was the top six last year? It was the Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Knicks, Cavs, and nets. nets yeah so the nets are certainly gonna fall mm-hmm. the, the i would be surprised if the Cavs fell i could see the knicks falling but they feel like they're just going to be a pretty competent regular season team um yeah. the hawks are I, I think the hawks had kind of a bad season last year to be honest like i think they're probably going to be like a little better like maybe they've been a seven and an eight seed back-to-back years though and i don't think they did anything this offseason to change my mind on that um uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I I just don't think a team with Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, and and even if they have to play more games in the regular season with the, those three players, I just those guys kind of fit well together. Like, I just think that when those guys are are good, they're are, are healthy, they're going to be really good. And the question is, what what does their health look like? I have a harder time looking at the Western Conference and feeling who is going to fall because there are so many good teams. Uh, the East, I feel like there's at least a few variables in there that like. I don't know, like the Knicks, the Knicks aren't like an overwhelming top four seed to me. The Sixers have a ton of question marks. The Nets are certainly going to fall. And I don't really see a ton of teams that are like certainly going to rise and jump. Now, the Magic could. Um, There are some teams below them that could. The Bulls could maybe have a good year or whatever. But I I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to ever see. Spo made it to, I know the East was worse, but Spo's made it to the playoffs with so many bad teams, dude. Like so many bad teams, and now you give them three legit stars that complement each other well. They're they're winning fifty games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I don't. I just think like a seven seed is in play, and if you're a seven seed, you can fucking go home. Like, because because I don't think the other thing that we're not considering is like Dame like was injured like not that long ago. Like you know, Bam's kind of an Iron Man, but like Jimmy's. Missed always misses a shitload of games, and I just don't think. I think the drop off for the Miami Heat going out of their rotation, if any of their stars get hurt, that's really bad. Like you're you're bringing in a sub replacement level player to replace your superstar anytime any of those guys miss games. You know, there's no wiggle room whatsoever. Like 
that's almost an auto loss like yeah in whatever that game is unless you happen to be playing one of the bad teams because that's the other thing is there's a lot of fucking parody in the league too there's not a lot of easy wins anymore in the nba like any yeah. you could lose to anyone yeah there's certain... <laughs> <laughs> well they at least have some nba players now um well do they i don't know it's hard to know. say uh <laughs> um uh i don't really know sorry tom uh, sorry i'm sorry dude well we won't talk about the pistons anymore um but no i i, I do think there is an argument to okay we built this team that, that even even that miami team last year they suffered through a ton of injuries uh, and they had a lot of theoretical depth, at least, you know, it kind of showed off more in the playoffs. They got Kevin Love later in the season, and he kind of had a little bit of a resurgence. I'm not even sure you can count on that, to be honest. Like, how old is Kevin Love now? 35? 34? Like, I don't think that it's a certain thing that Kevin Love having... I mean, we see this all the time. We're like Blake Griffin, for example. Remember he had that, like, resurgence with the Nets? And then the next year he was just completely unplayable. And it was like pretty instant how he fell off. Uh, even despite the fact that he had kind of a bounce back year. So like there's an argument, but there's also like, is there any coach in the league that can figure out this fucking depth thing? I feel like I trust Spo to figure it out. Like I, I, I'm not saying that they're going to be the one seed, but like you have, yes, you have three stars. Two of them get hurt a lot. And Bam is, is good, but he's not carry your team good. Uh, but but ultimately, I do think that a lot of stars miss time, and Spo is going to figure out something. And I'm sure that they'll get one or two of those guys, and like Josh Richardson will have a resurgence, and Thomas Bryant will be playable. Like I think that they'll be able to figure it out. But there is an argument between like who you lost in free agency plus what you'll have to give up to get Dame is like literally half of your team. And by the way, one of the guys that you might keep is Duncan Robinson, who oscillates between fucking Steph Curry and being unplayable <laughs> on yeah. any given night. Like he falls out of your rotation regularly and then he shoots 75% from three against the Bucks in a playoff series. God, the heat, the heat devil magic, man. It's just, it's, it's. It will never go away. It's annoying. I mean, yeah, I, I fucking, I gotta hate them. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, and if they could, I think, I think if they can hold on to Caleb Martin, that goes a long way. That would be a huge, honestly, that's a, the, the two hugest wins for Miami is if they can get Tyler Hero off the team and they can keep Caleb Martin. If they can do those two things, I'll feel a lot better about their chances um, to like be a pretty competent regular season team. Well, I don't even the Tyler Hero thing even matters less because he's like a fine regular season player. He just you know can't play him in the playoffs. So, um, it will be good. So, uh, you know we'll we'll see how the the trade shakes out. Um, you know I still think Dame is definitely going to be on the Miami Heat. It's just you know a matter of what Joe what the, what the god Joe Cronin can extract at this point. Yeah, I feel like it's going to end up being... I, I would imagine it's probably more a haul. I think that they might be able to use the Caleb Martin thing. Sometimes in deals, like when teams are like, we're, we're not giving up this player. A perfect example of this I like to use is when the Wolves wanted to hold on to Jaden McDaniels, which is smart because Jaden McDaniels is a really good player, 
And Danny Ainge used that as a way to be like, okay, then I need all of your draft picks. <laughs> like, I need every single one if you're taking Rudy Gobert. And I'm hoping that the the Heat are, or I'm sorry, the Blazers are able to say, okay, if you want to keep Caleb Martin, we need everything else you can possibly give. Figure out a way to extract positive value from another team for Tyler Hero and send that to us and just give us anything that we could possibly get in terms of draft capital and prospects from you or other teams, because we're not going to, you know, do a deal that is, you know, uh, like we said, bad for us, but also like, look, if, if they make Caleb Martin, their priority, if I'm the Blazers, I don't have a ton of use for Caleb Martin. I'd probably end up flipping him anyway to another team. So it's, it's definitely possible that something like that could happen, but enough about this. There's not really uh, enough, new information on it to dedicate an entire podcast to it. So let's move on to some other news that happened, which will lead nicely into our segment today where we tier rank the NBA national media personalities. So Doc Rivers and Doris Burke were, this had been rumored for a few weeks but Doc Rivers and Doris Burke are replacing Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. The end of an error. Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson <laughs> leaving, ah, leaving. RIP to our most uh, comedy deprived posters out there who, um, you know, they're really losing an opportunity to fuck up the easiest joke format of all time. Um, and yet still so many got it wrong. Um, the, the, the Mark Jackson, uh, Jeff Van Gundy. I loved that. Cause that was like a very like blue check Mark thing to do to just totally like misread, like what the fuck, because they are, they don't go totally off script. They're talking about something adjacent to it, but they, they'd have like, people would have that, like Mark Jackson talking about like the flying spaghetti monster and like, you yeah, know, that was Jeff Van Gundy. The- yeah. Treb, Treb, uh, was the one who created this, this, uh, joke format Treb law on Twitter. And I want to pull up one of the original tweets he had, which is Van Gundy. You know, Mike dribbling is a law's art form. It's a shame. (laughs) Mark Jackson, an octopus cannot fly an airplane legally at this point in time. Mike Breen, a new season of American Idol is coming this fall. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, this format has been, uh, uh, since, uh, seized by the, uh, um, the the liberals, uh, the liberal media, and run into the ground. Um, very sad. Uh, we will now have, uh, you know, we will no longer have uh, Je- poor Jeff and Mark Jackson to uh, kick around. I I know people. There's some, been some pushback on like Doris. I think Doris is like a pretty good NBA mind. I think she's going to be a huge improvement over Mark Jackson. To be totally honest, um, and. You know, uh, Doc is just Doc's a politician, man. Like, yeah, I, I would, I, I could always listen to Doc. Doc's just so charming, man. Like, you, you, like, I will probably be mad at him at some point this year, and I'll regret ever saying this. But uh, for now, I'm, I'm very interested to see how it looks. No, it's going to be good because you'll have Doc for shooting the shit. Like, Doc will just riff mm. and talk about something. Com- he won't like go like as far as Mark Jackson, completely off topic, or Jeff Van Gundy, where Jeff Van Gundy's like. Mm-hmm. You know, I really hate parking garages, and you're like, yeah, you talk, yeah, like, yeah. what? 
but doc will doc will have some some random ramblings where it kind of will lead you into some interesting conversations and then doris and and mike will be kind of your your normal man and woman who will kind of hold the the program together uh i do think that we're gonna lose a little bit of the comedic element of it uh and just from like like I think I agree with you. I think Doris is included in this exercise, but I I do think that Doris gets a lot of shit, uh, mostly from people who just hate women. But uh, I think she gets a lot of shit from a lot of fan bases um, and a lot of people that follow the NBA. But I think she's pretty good at what she does. Like, I mean, she's mm. certainly more insightful than the large majority of play-by-play people. I'm sorry, uh, color commentators who do this for a living and it it doesn't come with the just complete absurd off the wall shit that you're going to get from which sometimes can add some character uh to the program like like van gundy did but sometimes it can just be truly insufferable how, how much he can get hyper focused on a topic and he just never shuts the fuck up about it Right, right. I I think Doris. The thing the thing about Doris is Doris like genuinely has players that she like loves and enjoys watching, and she will like you know. I, I think she rubs people the wrong way when she like goes off on tangents about how much she loves like a specific player and like won't drop it. But I find that like I don't know. I find that charming. That's someone who like actually likes the game. You know, it's like a exactly. real she's a fucking fan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's a that's a that's a normal way to talk about sports is to like just be like absolutely fascinated by like what your favorite player is doing. So sure, I, I'm, I'm and all also, right also you know that she watches. Like I'm not saying that. Like I think most like national people that are doing color commentator on ABC and ESPN, they watch a general amount of games. But you can tell that Doris always like will point something out that like even sickos like either have not pointed out or something that is you know like I remember a few years ago one of the things that stood out to me was I was watching uh, when Kawhi was on the Raptors, I believe. He's like, you know, Kawhi has this reputation for being like the best defender in the NBA and blah, blah, blah. I actually think his defense has fallen off quite a bit. And she gave like a bunch of reasons why. And at that point, that was really only a, and this was in the regular season, of course. Kawhi was still great in those playoffs defending. But this was really the only people that were saying that kind of shit were like, people that have you know a ben taylor thinking basketball subscription on patreon like it's it's not it's not people who are just casually watching the game so she brings insights and is generally speaking one of the better national people so let's get into our exercise here which is creating a uh uh our tier maker for the national nba media personalities so I'm pulling it up on the screen right now. If you're listening, I'll read over everything that we have here. So we have the S tier, which I have labeled the God tier. We have the A tier, which I have labeled the Hall of Fame tier. The B tier is the all-star tier. The C tier is the starter tier. The D tier is the bench player tier. The E tier is the end of bench tier. And the F tier is the overseas tier. So... We'll go through some of our favorite media personalities. Now, I had some groundwork and some rules that I had to lay down here in order to not do like 50 people for this. So no newsbreakers was the first thing. So no yeah. shams and woge. They're not personalities. They're just 
purveyors of information, really. They're not like some might say that they're negative personalities. <laughs> they, they are like uh, they they sort of undo personality, like very like positron neutron uh, yes. uh, electron yeah. going on. Yeah. They you might refer to them as vessels, uh, as we have uh, <laughs> vessels for information, uh, more than uh, normal human beings, uh, as as we have yeah. stated many times in the podcast. But they also, you know, they help keep the lights on here at You Know Ball, so I can't really can't really hate on them. Yeah. Um, no. So yeah, shout, shout out to our favorite alien champs, Geronios, who stares <laughs> at the phone for eight, eighteen hours a day, and our horrible, horrible little goblin. Uh, Woj, who's uh, just runs purely on spite, like <laughs> uh, the most relatable personality trait. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> so yeah. they, they really are like the Shin Megami Tensei, like uh, demon and angels, like where just you know, Shams being the angel and uh, you know, uh, Woj being the demon. So, what did I uh, say? What did I say about <laughs> sorry, sorry. RPG? <laughs> No R- JRPGs. No JRPG talk on the podcast. <laughs> I'm actually going to have to I'm going to have to play these games so that I can understand your fascination. Um They're on Switch now. I don't really have an excuse. Um Yeah. I, so uh other rules that I have laid down for this exercise must be an active national figure. So no one who is not currently in the spotlight, um, you know, people that have recently left or people that are retired or whatever, I did not include them in in this exercise. And then I also had no current players with podcasts. So no Patrick Beverly, no Paul George, no, yep. none of these guys that have, you know, podcasts that are popular, but like they're players right now. They're not media personalities. Yeah. Um, we we are very sad that we had to cut Jackie Nick Mullen, um, so we can't get her uh, racist Joel Embiid impression um, on the podcast. But oh god, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, did you we, did you remember that <laughs> she just yo. went on Bill's podcast and just did like the most racist thing ever? And Bill just goes, "That was pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> Do I forget? How could I forget it? That's the reason Joel Embiid followed me on Twitter, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So who can say if it was bad or not? That a good. <laughs> That's a joke. It was obviously bad. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, well, the final criteria too was uh, uh, no Gilbert Arenas. Unfortunately, I didn't. Okay, so I yeah. I I cut Gilbert not because Gilbert Arenas has an underdog show which uh, was definitely part of my thinking here, but I can't really give a genuine opinion on Gilbert Arenas because I've never watched anything, but I, all I ever see, first off, I do think Gilbert Arenas has a good personality. I think that he Mm. is a clearly a very talkative guy. It's just that my ongoing joke on Twitter has always been, I just see clips and quotes from him and none of it ever makes sense to me. Like the, the way that he, goes about like i feel like you ever see the episode of the office where michael's in the uh the deposition and he's yeah. like sometimes i just start saying a sentence and i don't know where i'm going with it and i hope that i find myself along the way that's what i feel like every gilbert arenas 
quote that I see pops up on the timeline. I can't yeah. judge it because I don't watch the podcasts or the shows. So I can't really say this. Mm -hmm. This is almost everyone on here. I either consume the media or they're famous enough that every single person knows them. So they're guesting on my favorite podcast. They're on television. They're on games. They're on whatever. I tried to stay away yeah. from even like Jeff Teague. Like I think his clips are hilarious on Twitter, but I haven't yeah, sat down yeah. and listened to a Jeff Teague podcast yet. So I can't really include him. Oh, because that because let's be clear, I would I would push for Jeff Teague in the in the God tier because every I've seen like five different Jeff Teague telling a story. That he is like an unreal. Hilarious. Yeah, he is a Charlie Murphy level like storyteller. Like sure. it, it is incredible. Like I, I I really have enjoyed Jeff. If you're the worldwide leader, needs to hire Jeff Teague and get him like out there. Like he would. He, <laughs> he would needs be incredible. to. Yeah. He needs to do the Mike Birbiglia one-man shows where he just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. just about NBA locker room stories. It would be great. I would I would I would pay a hundred two hundred dollars for that. Like no no question. Like I always say, the most boring interview in the world is a current NBA player. The best um, NBA interview is a former recently former player like, yeah recently <laughs> retired who's like yeah, still yeah. still plugged in enough but like you know f he's very funny and and self-aware too that's the one thing about yeah. jeff Teague. That's a, yeah eventually he's gonna get canceled for saying some shit but for now let's let's let him cook yeah. um i endorse right. everything jeff teague has and will <laughs> i'm sure this won't come back to bite me at any point in time <laughs> All right, let's start. I have a list here. It kind of randomly threw their images up, so this is not in order by any means. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the god. He might this go in the god easy. tier. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the easiest one of all time. Windhorst? Windhorst Wind Wind is god tier. Windhorst, okay, so, so he was, because he was like B tier, but like Windhorst, his last year has been unreal like this yes. is like a guy like at the height of his powers this is like his Jokic like like season like this is everyone kind of coming to terms with like like oh this guy is a broadcasting force like he, see he, like, I think he's more like I, I think it's more like his Kyle Lowry arc where like okay. for 10 years everyone was like what does Windhorse do he just follows LeBron like who is mm -hmm. this guy and now he's turned himself into a regular all-star in in media uh mm -hmm. with hilarious memes and clips i think that I, my my kind of general guideline for this was based on their personalities entertainment value ball knowledge and influence and i will say i do think that he certainly has a lot of entertainment value and found has found a, a very nice niche for himself over the past year or two uh he certainly is very plugged in to what he does with the the rumors and the tea leave shit. And I would say he's fairly influential. I mean, there are guys like, you know, Jake Fisher, who are kind of following the same guidelines that Wendy has set out. Also, the Chris Haynes of the world are following, you know, Damian Lillard in the same way that uh, Brian Windhorst followed LeBron for 15 to 20 years. So... I th I, like I think there's an argument, but I don't know if you could put him God tier just because think about like the the greatest of the greats. They've been killing it since they got in the game is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, I mean, like also like Wendy's like he's he's learned not to like bring this up. He he, he's, he doesn't really have ball knowledge. 
Which, yeah. Um, so like whenever he has to like actually talk ball. Yeah. I'm glad you pulled this James quote up. Cause this yeah. is, I totally yeah. agree with this. Wendy was a role player eating off other success and then went to his own team and thrived, which is kind of, which is, could be like a Jalen Brunson it is like yeah. another comp that you could make for him. Uh, Jalen Brunson, Kyle Lowry kind of having like mid career, although Jalen Brunson's still only 26, but mm. mid career kind mid to late career leaps uh, mm. and and, sh- and truly showing their value while, like he said, he's cooking on his own, uh, and now he's the lead of of the hoop collective. I, I think that I, I would I want to put it, him in Hall well, of Fame. Let's put him in the yeah, that's that's fair. The A tier yeah. Hall of Fame. I think that Wendy has uh, the only thing he's missing really is that true ball knowledge. He really does clearly does mm-hmm. not watch enough basketball to be in the god tier. Um, mm-hmm. I think the reason why he. Like I think that he has I think he watches games. I just don't think that he knows what his bread and butter is. And his bread and butter is not yeah, that's breaking breaking down film and like you know doing the analysis <laughs> thing. <Yeah. laughs> right. it, it's the right. rumors, it's the team, it's the team yeah. leads, it's all that shit. Yeah. No, oh, those shade Windy the Shade Room proprietor. Like that, that, is, <laughs> that is his job. Yeah. He's well and we love him for it, folks. We love him. Yeah. Yeah, he's NBA TMZ. We love it. Yeah. Um, so the second one up, it's funny that uh, we, this was the last inclusion on the list suggested by you. We have mm-hmm. Wendy's Hoop Collective partner, Tim McMahon, who he was, once again, the last cut on this uh, for being included. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason I included we included him was because he's made a little bit of a name for himself over the past two or three years. I think that he was kind of more of like a periphery character. He would go on low posts every once in a while. He would go on Wendy's show, mm-hmm. but now he's a permanent member along with Bon Temps of the Hoop Collective. He's he's somewhat of an insider. I think he watches enough basketball by covering enough teams because ESPN is uh, cheaped out on giving like specific teams to co- cut corners they have tim mcmahon cover like five different teams now yeah, they're like you right, can yeah. cover the mavericks and the grizzlies and the jazz and the... so yeah so i think that he he knows a decent amount and he's he's somewhat plugged in to me he doesn't have like a crazy personality though no like the the, the most wild thing that tim mcmahon will do is he'll like straight up call luca fat and then like get on weird tangents about how John Morant's dad needs to drink less. Like those are like his, his like two things that he does um, that are like kind of weird, but like outside of that, like he, like he, he does like, he, he does have like a, a pretty normal affect. I, I, I like, I, I like Tim, Tim McMahon. I think he serves to fill out an interesting, like um, menagerie, as we're kind of going through these personalities, because sure. I would I would have him in the E tier at like end yeah of end of bench yeah serviceable yeah he could he could come mm-hmm. in he could fill some spots when the real gods are out when the the yeah. kings and the uh, the you know goat level guys are you know not like you're not pumped when you see McMahon on mm-hmm. low post but you're not like ah fuck mcmahon's on the low post like you're like okay right. this is fine i i'll allow this and, and, right. and yeah I, I do think the 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 morant shit was just kind of a weird moment from him but uh yeah. but in general he's he's good at he's good at his job uh of getting inside information and relaying that and kind of putting it all in the, in the right framework but 
not really a super personable, like outgoing kind of like jumps, jumps off the, the page or the podcast type personality. So I think end of bench complimentary guy E tier is, is, is appropriate for him. Okay, so up next, we have pretty much the complete opposite of Tim McMahon and Charles yeah. Barkley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was thinking about um, this earlier. I, I have a question for you. Was Barkley, maybe maybe yeah. he wasn't the first of the NBA players or former players in a sport that became had an incredibly successful media career, but he might be the first of the best, I mm-hmm. should say. Like, he's the first one that made a career most like Charles Barkley is one of the 30 best basketball players of all time. And people know him for his media personality shit just as much as they know him for his basketball shit, which is very hard to pull off. I would say more at this point. Honestly, I would say more at this point. Yeah. Like, like, like like, I I think that that was kind of true in like the nineties and two thousands. But I think at this point, like everybody just knows Charles is like, the guy laughing with like like Shaq and 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 Kenny and, and Chuck and like doing the sure. thing. So I think this is like um because the other thing is Charles's ball knowledge is god awful. <laughs> so that well, that's well, like hold on, hold on, thing. hold on. Yeah. I'm gonna defend Charles a little bit. Okay, go ahead. Cook, I do think that he I do think that he he falls into boomer tropes a lot. Yes. He falls into this guy's got to do this and he doesn't want it enough and blah, blah, blah. But like comparing his knowledge to like anyone else on that show, I think that it's very obvious that Charles Barkley watches, watches, pays attention to and analyzes more basketball than the, uh, now look, the guys that you're comparing him to are Shaq who doesn't know half the players in the NBA. And like, he didn't know who Alperen Shangun, even Pascal Siakam, when he like had made an all-star team, Christian Wood, those <laughs> kind of like, like good players. He has no idea who they are. Um, by the way, by the way, if I were Shaq, I wouldn't either. I'm just fucking sure. hanging out. Like there's no yeah. reason for Shaq to put it in. Like yeah. just hang out and be charismatic. Like it's fine. Like he does not have to work that hard at that job. That's fine. That, that, and I, I still love that show. Yeah. But to your point, yes, Charles like will at least, least make an effort and i do think i like to undermine my own point here i do think that there is something to be said but just by being a player you do grasp things intrinsically that the rest of the media class is not going to get um so there is this seems seem like a little bit of a no duh but i do think that there is because i do think people kind of write off when players like get carried away like uh with guys who are like really good with like technical skills, like, you, you know, saying like Kyrie Irving's like one of the five best players in the NBA because, you know, he's doing things that are like very impressive um, when you're like out there playing against him. Sure. But I do think that um, so, but, but, but I do think that there is like a real thing that like none of us are ever going to get as um, you, know, you know, people outside the NBA. And I think Charles was one of like his, to your point, his role is like the forefather of this, fusion of charisma being an old player and like at least trying to watch games he's super funny too yeah that that is the charles is a hilarious off the cuff person i Mm -hmm. want to i've i've talked about this before um the inside the nba in general is really really good like when people get mad at it i always laugh because it's like this is for the casual viewer this is for the person that just wants to sit back and not think and just watch some guys riff on basketball. Like 
this isn't it, it, there are outlets if you want to learn about basketball there are things that you can find on youtube and and, and podcasts yeah. and all, and all that shit like that that information's out there this is for this is for your mom who's just watching yeah. a six who's watching a sixers playoff game and is just like oh these guys are funny uh my girlfriend thinks it's hilarious every time they do the thing where they sprint to the screen <laughs> And yeah. like try to touch it first, like that. This is for this is for the masses. And Charles, I will say, Charles is is good. Is it, it, despite the boomer tropes and despite how he can get caught on certain things and have this mindset about you know, and, and kind of keeps all of his commentary kind of surface level when it comes to shit. I think he's a pretty fine commentator compared to his kind of contemporaries who are in the same mold of. Uh, of yeah. guy like that he's and he and like you said like i said he's like a trailblazer in this yeah. department as well yeah and they yeah they're just so yeah they're just so charismatic like all of the i always really enjoy the the, the, the halftime like still and i i like like i've watched that so many times and i still think like i haven't gotten yeah. tired of it you know what i mean yeah. like, I said, like, ernie, ernie johnson is like one of my favorite libertarians in media <laughs> uh <laughs> Anyway, um, so are we thinking S tier or A tier for Charles? <sighs> it's hard for I'm me like, because yeah. I'm like, oh, it seems disrespectful to put. Let's start I, him on S tier and, and I, see. Where I'm we putting him up. in the God tier because I think that I think that from look, the ball knowledge is certainly for what his level of ball knowledge should be. I think it's perfectly adequate and serviceable. Trailblazer is in his field. Of course, he says offensive shit and does offensive shit, which every fucking dude in his fifties uh, on television old, he does. Actually, does a pretty good job considering. I think he's older than that. Is he in his sixties now? He's probably like, in his sixties. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. He's, at, least, at least Charles like is on the right side of the of uh, supports trans rights and everything else. I yeah. See, he's sixty. Yeah. 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 Sixty. Yeah. So there you go. Power yeah. to Charles. Yeah. I think Charles is is ultimately yeah. just. Uh, he is he's a troll in certain regards but he has yeah. he has created his own kind of style of media personality and is incredibly entertaining and funny and and still one of the one of the best to do it despite the fact that uh you know some of the shit can get a little bit annoying now we have your guy up on here oh god let's fucking go we have him let's him, go him, him bon temps him bon temps so my question with Bontemps is we, we've talked about Bontemps a lot on this podcast. I love him. I love him. Mike, I know you love him. And I yeah. know that he is certainly one of the only people that we're going to discuss today who is willing to tell the truth, no matter yeah. how it makes you feel. <laughs> he says, fuck, fuck a feeling. Yeah. I'm going in. Um, yeah. yeah. Constantly. He's, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, what if, uh, I'm trying to think about like, he's like, um, like uh, the negative good version of Ben Shapiro. <laughs> or, or like, like what if, what if Ben Shapiro like was, was cleansed of all his demonic energies that make him four eleven, and he was turned into a six foot, <laughs> six foot tall. Like he really is like the, the, the righteous, the righteous God. Like at, in when the world reaches cataclysm and apocalypse is upon us, that will be the, the, the ending fight. That will be the uh, Randall flag. 
uh, fight is Ben Shapiro versus Tim Bontemps at the end of uh, too powerful, of, too powerful yeah. for this universe. Oh my so, god, that is such a perfect especially <laughs> the way Bontemps talks. It is very Shapiro. Now that you yeah. point that out, yeah. he's, he's yeah. good Shapiro. He's good Shapiro. I so here's here's my thing with Bontemps. I think Bontemps does know ball way more than most national media people yes like, I, I do i i honestly think he's like he might even be better than zach Lowe at this point and some of these other guys that are like really on the high end like um he'll always be honest um i think there's a lot of entertainment value to be gleaned from just the the extraordinarily frank way that he puts things yeah. <laughs> just taking like i love that on podcasts he will put his co-hosts in rough situations where they feel like they have to defend a player <laughs> because Bontemps is being too dismissive like and, killian like, hayes yeah if, and like like these guys like low who have like contacts have to like protect their like <laughs> their stuff by like, whoa 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 <laughs> like you know so i love all of that stuff that said you know he is not wind i i recognize he is not wind horse tier and he's no. not uh you know anywhere near some of these other people we're going to like talk about but i, I think he could get that you know like he is a star hiding in plain sight to tease uh one <laughs> let's of our, go one of our things from later this week. Um, so yeah, he's he's essentially. So here's the thing: mm-hmm. I don't think Bonteps could carry a show by himself, which is a big true. part. Of, like yeah. Barkley yeah. could easily carry a show by himself. That's uh, true. Windhorse has gotten to the point where he is the center of a show, at least. Mm-hmm. The Bonteps thing: he's more of a complimentary guy. He's more of an up and comer type. Uh, you know, he's only, he's been in the game for a few years. He's certainly getting better. Let's, I think starter tier is good for Bontemps. You think that's, that's good? Yeah. I was going to say yes. C or B. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where I might, I might try to push for moving him to be later on in the program. If we, uh, once we start seeing where some of these shake out. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So the next two are, are very S, exciting ones. S, yeah. Uh, S right. automatic. Right. <laughs> so this is Bill Simmons who is. You know, he keeps the lights on here at the, yeah. you know, ball podcast, probably more than anyone else. Uh, yeah. I mean, Bill, once again, kind of falls in the Charles Barkley level mm-hmm. of kind of at sometimes being out of touch, mm-hmm. saying things that are a bit off the wall, not really being totally plugged into, you know, what's happening with players mm-hmm. and, and how they're, 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 they're doing currently, but on the whole, there's not really many people who have had more influence over sports media than Bill Simmons. Like, yeah. I really think it's like, and there's another guy that we'll get to later that kind of fits this mold, but like from an entertainment value standpoint, from starting basically every, <laughs> this is, might not be something that Bill would want to be attached to, but mm-hmm. basically every single form of fan media was started because of Bill. Like yes. blogs, SB Nation, Barstool, The Ringer, obviously he founded The Ringer, but like Grantland before that, um, anything that is not pure journalism that is kind of a way that people consume sports, even to the point where like those kind of people are getting on television and shit. And like that kind of podcast and even some former player podcast type shit, that shit is more popular now than your generic traditional media in terms of media consumption yeah 
I mean, you go back and you read old Bill Simmons, um, like articles and columns, and it is like so run of because because that's the beautiful thing about Bill is Bill's tastes are so fucking bland. Like he is just so fucking middle of the road. Like all of the, like, like everything that he is like referencing is just like an er dude thing. Like he loves the Godfather. Like sure. he, he's always talking about like these. 80s, but he loves like 90210 and like Top Guns Challenge. Yeah. Like, yeah. like just these like very like, like basic things. And like, you know, everyone else has kind of spawned off of that. Like, you've gotten these more and more boutique, like all media, you've gotten these more boutique versions of it. And it's, you know, uh, even something like Deadspin, I think, has sure. roots in like what Bill started, you know, and like, now Defector. Yeah. Right. And defect. Yeah. Go, moving up to defector. And now Bill has like kind of morphed into this like, you know, Dragon Ball Z style. He has like entered his final form. Like like sure. every every five years, Bill like switches <laughs> fighting forms and he turns into like a new like, like he dropped all like the uh, saying offensive things about women like in the 90s. And like he's in, in like the 2000s. He's like. Um, you know, he's, he's stopped like yelling at other rich people. And now he's like, he's kind of like, just by virtue of how long Bill has been around, he's kind of had all these rough edges, like sanded off, but he's still at the same time, this same guy. And that's why he's irreplaceable because he is, he is the pod father. I love that. You're talking about him. Like he's like an artist. Like it's like, we're talking about like, like Nas or Jay-Z or something. Yeah, Bill, a, Bill probably closer to Jay Z than Nas. Uh, especially yeah, when it comes I was gonna to say that Jay Z is a great comic for Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, just talking about business <laughs> on all of it. Bill, Bill, Bill has famously said, "I'm not a businessman. I'm a. I'm, a business I'm not the sports guy. I'm the, <laughs> I am the sports the sport guy. guy. There we go. Let's go." <laughs> that's the quote that's the that's the quote for the episode all right we've uh we've sucked bill off enough uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah bill bill is certainly a tier or s tier yeah. god god level media personality uh made 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 this shit if it wasn't for him none of this shit would have been around so all right yeah. uh the next up we have bill's partner in crime ryan rosillo which actually can be taken literally if you know anything about Priscilla's history. <laughs> so I feel like Rosillo you're, you're I, hovering between B and C tier and that's I'm exactly going, the decision I was trying to make. So. I think he's all star tier. Okay. I think I here's my pitch why. Okay. Rosillo can be the host of his own show. That's true. Yep. He can be a great guest on podcasts and shows. Mm-hmm. He can do radio, television, and podcasting, mm-hmm. he, which is, by the way, a very rare thing to be able to pull off. Yeah. Guys like, like, I guess it's because he had the ability to go, he was on television and radio first, and then he went podcast internet media. So mm-hmm. it, he had the luxury of being able to kind of work, whereas guys like Zach Lowe are like doing podcasts and writing first and then having to grow into that level of studio show studio like, show which yeah. takes a while to get used to dude like it's really hard to pull off like bill, it's, 
Bill always talks about how he fucking hated studio shows. Yeah. And like that, that was like the, th- that they, when he talked to Stephen A. Smith for a while, that was like all they talked about was like how hard it is to do like the, the, the halftime, like what Charles does and like the halftime sure. shows and stuff like that. And, and Rosillo, yeah, like just has done some of that stuff. I think well, the other thing we didn't talk about, I forgot to mention with Bill that Rosillo is also good at, it's actually a really good interviewer too. Yeah. Um, Bill, that's one of Bill's underrated skills is Bill is actually like, a pretty good interviewer and uh, Rosillo has a lot of that same things. It's, it's kind of that Joe Rogan thing. Yes. I've always called up, him NBA Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you just, if you have this, like, you know, I, I don't want to say smooth brain, but like, you just have this, like this, this intellectual, you know, like curiosity. You curiosity. Yeah. You have this curiosity. That's the thing is like, because a lot of people just get on and want to like say their point. You know, they're not sure. actually interested in what their guest is saying. And right. Rusillo and Bill are usually pretty interested in what their guest has to say, which I, I think is a, a, a real skill in, yep. in uh, NBA media. Yeah, They can hold a conversation. They can interview. They can mm-hmm. uh, kind of like lead a show where they could be a guest on a show. Um, yeah, I think it is a harder thing to pull off than people do realize that just kind of casually – follow the shit i think they're really good at it i think rosillo and rosillo watches even more than bill like mm-hmm. he just wasn't quite as influential as bill because bill mm-hmm. created like we said so many different kinds of mediums to consume sports media mm-hmm. uh whereas rosillo's just been more of like the all-star we have him in here you know the kind of the complimentary guy who could be you know uh he could be the center of the team for a few weeks but Usually you like him playing with some other guys and, and, and uh, you know, he's not going to create something from the ground up, but he could be, he could be part of something special. That's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to get at here. So right. that's why I have, I have Rosillo very entertaining, pretty funny. I would say he's pretty funny. I would say, uh, you know, he does, he does bozo shit because, you know, he is kind of a bozo sometimes, but uh, overall on the whole, uh, a good media personality, a B, a yeah. B tier all-star level guy for sure. All right, and now we're going to get into the yeah. people that we just talked about. So we have Doc on here. We don't really know what this iteration of Doc is going to be, but we can kind of tell based on his press conferences and media interviews with the Sixers and from this past offseason when he went on Bill's podcast and he's been going on kind of media tours over the past year or really last five or six years where like he'll go on and he'll be like, yeah, that, that Clippers team kind of fucking sucked. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> say some shit uh i think doc is a good media personality i think he he knows how to work the media mm-hmm. uh good podcast guest he can do the color commentator shit uh i i think he would probably start to lose me if he had like his own show or did mm-hmm. a podcast and was it like doc is very much like the guys that go on bill's podcast he's not a guy that can host a podcast and like yeah. i don't think he is intellectually curious because he thinks he knows everything yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, well, and he doesn't have you know, you know like a lot of these other guys like above we've had like charles like he doesn't have he, doc is very charming he doesn't have like the charles sure like, like, nobody does really yeah. you know like like and uh, you know doc i'm interested to see them putting doc in the booth before ever putting like him on like a halftime show did, did he used to i think he used to do media at one point right yeah he yeah. did it very briefly he had like one season or maybe like he got fired halfway through a season with the magic i think or something 
And then okay. he did he did games, and he actually did it before that, before he coached the Magic too. I think, I think Bill said that on his podcast that he loved Doc doing the color commentator shit like twenty five years ago or whatever it was. Um, and I do think that if he had went down that lane, he probably could be much higher. But we don't yeah. really know what he's like yet. That's what I was just gonna say. I'm I'm gonna invoke Bill here. I'd like to see it. Can yeah. I see it? Can I see it first? Can I see it first? So, By the way, that, that that TikTok and YouTube clip that went viral where where you made fun of him and it blew up. Mm -hmm. Uh, people still comment on that like he was right, and I'm like, yeah, I know he was right. Yeah, he was, he was talking about the Clippers, and he's like, can I see it? Can I see him on? Oh, well, we, we never we never say Bill is wrong. No. <laughs> I think that was part of why I was able to guess that because yeah. it, it it was an easy. Because that's the other thing that Bill loves to do is say the most obvious, easy thing. I mean, I didn't sure. the first to be in the title. <laughs> but, but, however, uh, you know, we don't say that. So I would put Doc in C tier for starters because I would like to see it first. But, um, okay. Yeah. Let's go C tier. Start. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I think for now, mm -hmm. let's put him in the C tier. Let's see how he cooks this season. Also, it's another part like is like, this is like uh, we're trying to do Bill trying like putting Chet Holmgren in the fucking uh, trade value list. Yeah. Can I see it first? I want to see yeah. it play for one. Yeah, one. Play we're we're doing our greatest sin, which is we always make fun of Bill for the fact that yeah. he always puts rookies in there. But yeah. uh, I was gonna say one thing with Bill. It's kind of like when you. Uh, or I'm sorry, with Doc. What the. The one thing that you worry about with Doc, and I'm genuinely not even joking, mm -hmm. he's doing color commentating. And like it's kind of like Kawhi with his knee, where you're just like, ah, eh, is it just a ticking time pop? Like his voice has been going for like mm. 20 years. Yeah. He's, uh, like, he's got like a smoker's voice. Like at any moment, Doc's voice could just give out and he might just be completely unlistenable on these programs in the way that he kind of talks and delivers. And he becomes a pretty uh I would say pretty quickly uh unlistenable and might have to medically retire due to his voice <laughs> gonna, gonna get have to get a disabled player exception to sign uh, <laughs> jeff van gundy back to the team uh, after, after doc uh, blows out his voice I, I i think i think doc's voice will he's not he's not gonna be shouting at players anymore you know so yes like, yeah i i think you should i think it, i i'm gonna bet on doc to hold up um, yes okay so now we have Doris Burke, who will be Doc's partner. Um, okay, so Doris is also doing kind of color commentating along with Doc and, and Mike Breen. We talked about, I like Doris. I think she's really good. So yeah. maybe you can help me figure this out. I, did we talk about this before? Where I was yeah. like, why do Celtics fans think that she hates Jason Tatum? Like, it's like it's, really a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. And I don't know. I, I don't know. It. So I'm I'm uh, way nicer to Doris than a lot of people. Um, yeah, because um, she loves Marcus Smart. Like Marcus Smart is true. One of, her, one of her like people that she clearly like just loves viewing and will like gush about. And one of the other ones is Joel Embiid. And a lot of this is coming from. I, I think a lot of this from Celtics fans is coming from one of the games where the Celtics. I think it was Game Six. Game six. Doris, Jason Tatum Doris. was dog shit for three and a half quarters. What is Doris Burke supposed to like yeah. go insane because he scored 10 points at the end of the game? I, I think it was because she like, well, cause she, 
she Joel is another guy she really likes. Um, sure. Like, and, and will always comment. And I think that that was, and Jason Tatum was really bad in that series for a lot yeah. of it. Like and to your point, until the last five quarters say? and he went into God mode. <laughs> right. Like, so what, what is she going to say? And you know, part of that was Doris, like just was silent um, when the Celtics sure. come back. And I, I think people wanted the, uh, you know, people crust. wanted the, 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 the Breen orgasm or, you know, the, the Iron Eagle, you know, the, the iconic calls of a Celtics thing. And it was just, it was quiet. And I think Celtics fans haven't forgiven her for c- kind of sitting that one out. You know? It's so amazing. Everyone yeah. else in the media constantly sucks you guys off. And the yeah. second that someone does it, it's like, uh, are well, you fucking kidding me? That's what, that's what makes her stick out, you know, like when everybody <laughs> else is doing it. Doris just being normal to the Celtics makes everyone think that she, I don't know. I, cause I've noticed that too. Like everyone like really, I saw people putting Doris in there with like, uh, uh, just some of like the most dog shit. Like they were saying, ah, oh, this is just like worse than Chris Weber. I'm like, absolutely not. What are you no, talking I mean, Chris, about? Chris Weber was, and he's not on here because he's not active. Yeah. I, f- I think people forget how bad Chris Weber was. I almost felt bad for Chris Webber. He was so bad at it. And yeah. I was like, how are they allowing this to continue? Like, it's just, yeah. he's just clearly not made out for it. Like, it's, yeah. and like, you've got Doris- Hubie Brown, like, tripping over everyone's third name, like, in ways that are, ch- I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, think Hubie Doris Brown's is like, like 97, solid. but like, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I you know, use. we'll get to Reggie later. I don't know. I, I think Doris is B tier. Um, I think she's okay. Like, you know, I, I, what do you? How, how do you feel about that? I would I, oscillate I, between B and C tier. I think that she's one of the better color mm. commentators. Like if Doris is on a game, I'm not gonna look. I I don't think that I come out of a game being like, wow, I learned a ton. But I do think that I can understand why, you, uh, especially if she doesn't love your favorite player, why Doris Burke would really annoy you. Um, yeah. But I do think that she's one of the better. Like it's just very obvious she watches. She she correctly identifies what's going on in the game, which is pretty rare. Like a lot of guys give just give that up, you know. Like I feel like Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson would only do that if it was like the most obvious thing in the world. Sure. You've got to yeah. get someone on Steph Curry. Like, no shit. Like, yeah. you know, and color commentating is really hard in the middle yeah. of games. And I think that she's good enough at it that I would put her certainly up there. I think that she's, I don't know. I feel like there was like a love affair with Doris and now there's been like pushback on her because she's gotten more popular, but I still think she's really good. I mean, I I think that she's one of the better uh, color commentators in the game for sure. Um, Okay. Speaking of color commentator, uh, JJ Redick is next up on here for, for Chiodo. Yeah. For Chiodo, we just put him in the overseas tier. Yeah, sending him overseas. No, I will certainly know a I certainly know a Brooklyn private school that would like to send him overseas to the Hague. (laughs) Google JJ Reddick, Brooklyn private school for more. Um so JJ JJ, in addition to the color commentating the general media kind of he's on ESPN a lot. Now he also has one of the most popular basketball podcasts mm-hmm. with um, <clears throat> famous fail son, Tommy alter uh, who, who um, success son, I should say. Like, yeah, yeah. Son. Yeah, yeah, he's successful. Yeah. He's, he's killing it. Yeah. He's killing Those it. succession boys. Don't, don't have anything on him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> 
no. Uh, so yeah, the old man of the three is a very popular. I mean, it's all over my YouTube. He interviews a ton of people. I think that Rosillo has talked about this before, where like he gets a lot of good information out of people in interviews, yep. but he also kind of has to kiss their ass in yep. order to get that information. Uh, mm -hmm. But also, I think players respect him. I mm -hmm. think that he annoys me personally. I think I've literally called him a pod save America analysis or analyst before. Yeah. Um, he's just very kind of uh, condescending and annoying to me a lot, but for, he's pretty good at his job. Like the color commentating, the media. Oh, like once again, we talk about like player podcasts that exist now. They wouldn't yeah. really exist if it weren't for JJ. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he did kind of like kick in that door because, well, the thing with JJ, especially where he is at in his career, where he still is kind of floating, you know, like I, I think he could still probably play in the league, maybe like for like a be a deep bench guy. You know what I'm saying? He like, said, he said, it in a, he's like, I could give, what did he say? He's like, if you gave me a whole off season to work out, I could give, I could give you like 10 points in an NBA game or something. Like if I tried my hardest, Darius yeah. Garland was on and he asked him and he was like, I think I could maybe get up to 10 points in a game. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I think that there's like a baseline level of like, you know, the, the, this current crop of NBA players are JJ's peers still, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, like, like this is not Charles. This is not, you know, old ass Paul Pearson KG, you know, these are guys who have played with JJ like recently. I've seen him out there. And I think that that is one of, that is one of JJ's biggest strengths is that the other one is he is very intuitive about zeitgeist media zeitgeist and like, what's going to be the big topic. And he does do over another guy we're going to talk about later who's actually really good at this and it's kind of his safe and grace is Kendrick Perkins <laughs> that's kind of like his only skill <laughs> they're on opposite player. sides of the spectrum but yes but but they're on opposite sides of the spectrum but they both have that same skill where they understand you can get people mad at you by fighting yes. an argument like one of these ways sure and JJ is like very canny about like what is going to be a hot interesting to people and what is going to drive a national media talk show like what's going to yeah. drive like a first take segment but where what jj separates himself is and why i find him annoying is he acts like he's above that <laughs> and he's like, yes. yeah 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 and, like, and, yeah and it's like no you're you're absolutely a part of this don't act like oh the media what we do in the media is we drag these guys through the way no fuck you you're in here too man like <laughs> you're literally brought yeah. on it's like crossfire like you're brought on to be the antithesis of the Kendrick Perkins. That's the role right. you're playing. You're also a part of this. And right. it is, I, I, I just, and maybe some people feel this way about Doris, but we don't have the, like JJ's level of like fame and like how many people consume JJ's content, content from first take to old man in the three to the games is massive compared to someone like Doris where like, his you hear that kind of like you said like pretentious smugness come across and it, it can be very off-putting when you hear it very regularly i think for old man in the three i think he his podcast is very i think he's very good at interviewing people i think he's very good at just having like entertaining podcasts i think that like i said he 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 created that lane for them but just on a personal standpoint, I just, I can't stand the guy. I think he's super smug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and again though, but that's also part of his 
char you know he's yeah. out there to be the uh he's out there to be the the, the east coast elitist <laughs> you know? yeah. a duke sure. guy yeah james <laughs> is it right in the, in the comments it's a duke guy yeah james exactly right. yeah yeah exactly yeah. he's gonna be the fourth mic on pod save soon um so i'm gonna let you pick for this one because i can't objectively do it well this is the thing is because i also don't like jj but i do think you have to put him in the starter tier okay like just with where he's at right now maybe we'll move him down to d tier as we, as we go along here but sure. I, I think that he does have that cachet interview wise like an objective yeah. you know an objective analysis would put him in the c tier i think sure so. and it may be even higher just because the fact that he's only been doing it for so yeah long. like he's only been doing this for like two years and like He's certainly gotten very far at, as basically as far as you possibly can for a guy that's only been doing this for a few years. You know, the podcast goes back to like 2016, I think. Yeah. But uh, the most of this this kind of shit has come around recently. Yeah. All right. So now we have we're moving into Ramona Shelburne, our girl uh, from uh, Momo. Momo. That's that's the name I forgot. Momo. <clears throat> from uh you know espn she does she does journalism quote unquote <laughs> <laughs> consent manufacturing for uh, <laughs> her her role so uh, can i say something because I, I just put it together just now we were just talking about she really is she's um like she's in the exact same place in her career that like windhorse was like seven years ago i think okay like, that's so actually a good point yeah like like i there could be a renaissance coming for momo like once genie bus uh is arrested by the sec or, <laughs> or you know something for her like tequila that. company with <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> once once genie has to move on um and like you know you know uh, momo doesn't have to like worm tongue for her anymore yeah. like yeah. you know once she can move once on. her once abby on tequila goes under and she's uh... <laughs> Uh, what do you know? It's called Sincoro, I believe. Or, yeah, no, that was an Entourage reference. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah, 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 yeah. I was on Entourage. I watched Entourage when I was 16 years old. Please forgive Let's me. Go. Let's go. Um, so here's because here's the thing. Um, every piece of journalism that Robota does um, is just you know it is uh, North Korean style like propaganda. <laughs> 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 it really is. Like, it, it rules. Yeah, like uh, you know. Uh, GD bus went to the golf course today and shot another 18. <laughs> um, she, she's, she's, she's broken every record in the thing. Now that said, um, you know, Ramona also does occasionally um, break news, you know, you know, like she will yeah. like, like I'd say like one time, like one time out of five, she is having like a real journalistic, like um, breakthrough. Um, but you know, unfortunately we're not talking about journalism right now. We're talking about, uh, sports and media personality. Um, I'm going to put Ramona on the D tier, but I'm keeping my eye out for a, a wind horse renaissance for her. That's a, that's such a good comp just because the yeah. fact that it is it, it, for, for years, everyone was like annoyed by wind horse and just thought that he kind of carried water and I did, did whatever, but he's, yeah. but I mean, and that's kind of at the phase of the career where, she's at now specifically for the Lakers and the Warriors mainly. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, maybe we can have a, a Momo renaissance sometime mm -hmm. in, in the next few years. I think right. a bench player is good. I think that if, yeah, I mean like the thing is, is that she, I don't know her podcast, like her on the low post is, 
Yeah, it's it so, brutal. It, it can it's be so really it can be so boring sometimes. Do we move her down to E tier? I think I'm gonna move her to yeah, E tier. Yeah, yeah, like to like, yeah. like yeah. we're talking personality here. Like mm-hmm. ball knowledge, personality, kind of like you know, like being like like a, a personality. I don't really know how else to say it. Like, yeah. and she's just like she could be kind of boring. I'm gonna put her in the in the yeah. E tier. Our, our next one, you might need to just do on your own because this is one of my enemies. So I have to. Uh, so you're you're anti Richard Jefferson because I'm he's extremely anti Richard Jefferson because he slanders uh, Paul Pierce, or you just think he's annoying. I mean, he slanders the Celtics in general, but I just think he's extremely annoying. There's never been a guy who's gotten more out of being the eleventh uh, player for a championship team and and saying that he was a, a champ. Everyone always pushes back with, "No, he was the seventh guy on that." T- oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was awesome. But you also sell short how good Richard Jefferson was when he was younger. You said Kendrick Perkins was better than him. That's insane. Kendrick Perkins contributed to winning more than he did. The, the league was dog shit and not fun to watch, but Richard Jefferson in his like third and fourth season was like almost an all-star. Great. And those Nets teams uh, made it to two on? NBA finals. <laughs> the worst like NBA finals of all time. Kendrick Perkins was the fifth out. starter with four other hall of famers. I don't think <laughs> come on, that. dude. I don't think I'll I this is what I'm he saying. Played, I, he played with Kenyon Martin and, and, and can't I, I can't I can't be objective about Richard Jefferson. <laughs> this is he's the one of the most annoying sports personalities, zero ball knowledge, always talking about the quote unquote good old days with Cleveland. He was there for half a season. <laughs> he's he's so happy that he uh didn't have uh, 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 the uh, poor man's uh, Tracy McGrady career. Like he's so pleased with that. I I don't know. I I I'm I'm really out on. I would if I had my way, I'd slap him in the F tier and keep it moving. But uh, this is you. So I I I will say I do think that I find Richard Jefferson's commentating when he's the third guy can mm-hmm. be pretty good on things. I think that when he's any he had a, a guest appearance on the Low Post like two years ago that was like one of the worst like just from a ball knowledge standpoint one of the worst episodes i've ever heard like of him it almost sounded like he was doing a bit and like just got everything wrong at every single step and i was shocked because i felt like he was one of the more knowledgeable kind of talking heads and like personalities uh and he does have a personality and he's outspoken Uh, and he, and he, and he is, uh, you know, like, like you said, like he's, he's an good entertaining making, enough guys. He's yeah. good at making you mad. Yeah. yeah. Good at making Celtics fans like me mad. So, you know, that is a bonus. You know, he is, he is not in the Boston media mafia. We have a, a no. rare, a rare non-Boston. He might deserve a bump just for that. Not being in the, the, the Boston media mafia there. So yeah, that's a good point. Actually. Yeah. yeah. He, he yeah. actually might, might need he, just for being such a, a, a brave soul. To yeah. be able to go against the Boston Media Mafia, I'm gonna put him in bench tier. Uh, I'm gonna put him in the D tier. I, I I could hear out the argument for starter, but I'm just not really a Richard Jefferson guy. Uh, I do think that his TikToks are kind of funny though, uh, which you know that's a, that's a redeeming quality for sure. All right, let's move on. We got we got a few more to tackle here. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> For those of you listening on audio, uh, Bobby Marks was next, and uh, Trill just immediately moved him to F tier and kept it moving. Uh, I'm sorry, dude. Bobby zero, Marks. Zero ball knowledge, no charisma. Uh, 
seems well, like a very nice guy, I will say, but yeah. the no charisma, no ball knowledge, and also like was really bad at his job and yeah. somehow <laughs> got got a job telling people how to run their front office and then suggests like the word like the trades that you see from like a fan in the replies to a to to like an NBA central tweet. About yeah. like, well, what do you think about this trade? And it's like the worst trade you've ever seen. And Bobby Marks goes on television and he's like genuinely pre presenting it as a real trade that could possibly happen. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Bobby Marks really brutal. I, I am a huge salary cap dork and I find some of like every once in a while he'll say something I don't know that I find mildly interesting, but that is pretty much where his value maxes out. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm fine with, with having him be our F tier guy. So yeah, overseas. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bobby. You seem like a nice dude, but yeah, you're a nice guy. You're living in Florida, which is a brutal enough punishment. I don't want to keep <laughs> it on, but yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, let's let's move along here. And then we got we got our guy Chris Verno. I was wondering who that was. I yeah. forget that Vernon looks like that because it's not what he should look like with the way he's Vernon is like 50 years old and he looks like he's legitimately 18. Like yeah. it's crazy how young he still looks. And I say this as someone who has the same kind of general look, but I'm like 12 years younger than Chris Vernon. I I need to know his age. Yeah, he's he, like this is this uh, they, they've always said this this is how you age when you're not problematic <laughs> he's somewhere in the age range of 40 to 50 someone said i think he's like 42 i think he's like nine years older than me and he looks younger than me he has yeah. andy milanakis syndrome i think there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go that's a good that's yeah. a good call so yeah. can i say something crazy right now yeah i think vernon's b tier yeah, no, I no, I don't even it. think that's crazy. Yeah, no, not at all. No, I, Vernon is the king, yeah, dude. Yeah, king. I love Vernon. Like, you've got to be. I like the mismatch, and KOC is on the mismatch. That is just <laughs> the raw power that Vernon has. Is is like unreal. Like he he's. So here's the thing. Um, Boomer guy, um, he will get his ball knowledge wrong sometimes. I remember him doing his guys that uh, won't fail and doing Marvin Bagley first. Yeah, that was like, tough. Oh no! Like, but he's pretty good at some. He um correctly despised Dylan Brooks. Um, yeah, he, from the jump. Uh, yep, yeah, uh, is uh talking correct shit to all the Boston media mafia for uh and endorsing Marcus Smart, which confirm only confirms to me that uh vernon knows ball so uh also genuinely like very funny and like charming and affable so yes i agree a lot of a, a lot of very good things going for vernon so he's basically like an evolved bond temps in that like yeah he's not afraid to say and sometimes yeah. I, I think i will say i think bond temps has more ball, ball knowledge than uh, Vernon, I think yes, that Vernon definitely. can get Vernon can get caught on the Barkley Bill kind of boomerisms. Yeah, uh, that I, everyone in media does to an extent, but yeah, very entertaining, very funny. Uh, can hold his own as a guest, uh, host his own show, has a radio and internet show <laughs> that is uh, also entertaining. Uh, yeah, Vernon is great. Vernon is someone I despised at first. I really hated Vernon when I first started listening to Ringer content. 
Mm-hmm. And then over the years, he's grown on me to the point where I'm like, he's actually one of the most unique. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He is literally a shock jock from the 90s and 2000s yeah. if you just dumped him into modern sports media. Like, he is hilarious and yeah. off the wall and insane. W- without, like, all of the, um like, jarringly offensive uh, misogyny <laughs> and racism. Misogyny. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. shock jocks are known for. Yeah. But I just meant I, his spirit is, like, oh, yeah. like, yeah. like, his spirit is absurdist kind of radio. Yeah, he's, like, very, ram- it's rambunctious. It's, like, a very yes. rambunctious style of radio. And I, sure. I think that Vernon, you know, say what you will about Bill, man. One of the other like hidden talents of Bill is he's actually a pretty good talent scout for like, mm-hmm. you know, like he's hired some like really strong like uh, people. And I think Vernon getting Vernon for like KOC and having them do a show together that like also genuinely is like just a, a genius show idea because though they are like complete opposites just in terms yeah. of the odd couple for the NBA. Right. Yeah. It, like. Because the other thing is, I would just wanted to say, because I also didn't like Vernon more, but that was also more in my calculator rat days. I think there is a one to one ratio because that was like when I would like listen to Dunked On as my primary NBA show. Yeah. Dark, dark days indeed, my friends. So I I think that how much of a calculator rat you are also impacts how much you love Vernon because he's the enemy. You know, he's on the other side of the fence. A lot of people, a lot of people hate Vernon and I'm like, just power through the original hatred of him and you will learn to love him over time. He's a great, he's a great media personality. Truly hilarious. Speaking of Hoopers. He's the Mr. Darcy of NBA personalities. We got our guy. (laughs) Look, Mr. Ball don't stop. Okay. (laughs) I had to include him just because he's, he's such a large part of the Unibalk canon. That mm-hmm. like leaving him off would have felt. There are some guys that didn't make yeah. the cut, and I felt like we talk about guys that are kind of in that realm of personality. Yeah. But we talk about Ball Don't Stop more than pretty much any other fringe kind of yeah. media person. Like he's not even like, like his podcast isn't like massively popular. He's more known for the clips and the YouTube stuff, just like random yeah. shit. Um, but he is a character um, uh, in let himself. Me, let me make an argument here for Baldo stop, because I think I'm thinking ball stop, stop putting him. I I'm going to bet higher than where you want to put him. Here's the, th- here's the thing about Baldo stop is you have to consider, and it's similar to bill. He really is a trailblazer and a real yeah. unique guy who brought a real unique thing to the way NBA media is covered. You know, where he is a he has defined himself in being a shorthand. Um it unlike Perkins and JJ Reddick, I don't think he's necessarily playing a game. You know what I'm saying? Like I No, I think, I think he genuinely well, believes yes. Kobe Bryant's the best player of all time. Yes. And I like and I, I think that, you know, like he's not doing like he really just the other thing that he has that a lot of NBA media people lack. He has genuine love of the game that like shows through. Like he actually sure. enjoys basketball, which is something that a lot of people on this list like don't have. You know, you have to at the end of the day really enjoy the sport. Um, and I think he is, you know, unique. Now, do I agree with Paul Dotstop when he's <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, when he's saying Peyton Pritchard is one of the like up and coming players in the yeah, NBA? Watch out for Malachi Flynn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he does like, his pro am every year. 
I mean, like, I I don't know. Like, I I would put him in the B tier. Uh, wow. Where I'm putting, even with an outside, you know, like you said, like there's an outsize. I think there's an outsize influence that has to be considered with what a trailblazer he is. Um, there, there's very few, very few media personalities that have such strict dogma that yes, ball don't stop has. Like, I don't think that there are like th- he sees the game very black and white. There's not a ton of gray area for ball don't stop. Is is basically what I'm trying to get at here. And I do think that he has certainly created his own niche lane brand, whatever. But mm. over time, as more kind of players get podcasts and stuff like that, like, for example, Gilbert Arenas is his friend. And like, I feel as though Gilbert, Gilbert has a, he's, he has a much more vibrant personality mm-hmm. than Ball Don't Stop. So he can kind of, but I kind of think that he, he is at least in a similar lane to Ball Don't Stop when it comes to, I guess his p- opinions oscillate a little bit more than Ball Don't Stop. They're not quite as like, like you have to be able to have a, a bag and a mid-range jumper and and you know the 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 stereotypical pillars of of Hooperism in your game to be a, a great uh, well-respected player from Ball Don't Stop. I, I, I guess Gilbert is a little bit different in that regard, but uh, yeah. I mean, look, I would probably put him somewhere in B or C tier. I think that. Uh, I guess the thing is, is that like he is very strictly just a podcast guy who makes clips that seemingly are designed to go viral. <laughs> like, I don't think he does it on purpose, but I think that that is kind of his whole brand. Like he doesn't have he doesn't have the versatility of some of these other people. I don't know if I all star tier is tough for me when it just when he essentially just says the same things over and over. Uh, but he has created quite a quite a name for himself and quite a brand. I would put I, I'll put him in B tier for you, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I would probably have him in the C tier personally. I think starter starter mm-hmm. would be fine for him. Um, all right, now we have Stan Van Gundy, the other Van Gundy brother who is still active. He goes on Zach's podcast sometimes. He's mostly a just a, a TV guy. Does some NBA TV stuff. Does some uh, TNT games. Can I say something? Yeah. I find Stan. Stan leaves me cold. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking year F tier, probably not F tier. I'm thinking E tier for Stan. I don't think he knows what he's talking about a lot of the time, which is kind of shocking for an NBA head coach, but also bears out with what has happened the last few times he's tried to coach the NBA. <laughs> um, I honestly think Jeff is funnier, maybe unintentionally, but like, um, sure, like a better like. NBA personality. I, I I don't really get Stan's kind of been out of the league. Like a lot of what Stan, when Stan like came in, there was like sort of a breath of fresh air thing where like, ah, I like hearing from Stan now after I've watched him coach for so long and he has some funny thing, but I just, I kind of get tired of his shit now. I, I yep. just, I don't think he's very, I don't know. I, 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 I don't, I don't love Stan on, on, on the color commentary. I got to say it's very similar to his coaching career. When Stan Van Gundy was first a coach, he was like, Oh man, breath of fresh air coach, two teams that ended up, you know, he got fired from the Miami team, but they did go on to win the finals that year. And then later in the year, later in the decade, he coaches the Dwight Howard magic teams. And then by the time the 2012 comes around, he's kind of, out of ideas and kind of a stale coach and 
Mm -hmm. He's coached the Pistons and the Pelicans. And it's, I agree with you in that, like when he first came on the scene before he went back to coaching, it was like, he was a good guy. Like he was good for, for the time that he was coming in. Mm -hmm. And over time, he's definitely worn, worn me down a little bit. Uh, I will say, I think he's a pretty good guest on Zach's show, but he just doesn't go on quite enough to really matter. Uh, I think that he displays, I think there are certain guys on this list that display more ball ball knowledge in certain settings. And I feel like Van Gundy feels like he has to fit a role when he's doing the games. And it's, it's actually better for being a podcast guest, but I think that uh, E end of bench tier is fine for Stan. I don't really think that he's not as personable as his brother, or at least as much of a character as his brother, I should say. Um, And he is still, still can be quite uh you know he can be insightful sometimes but he's kind of annoying and, and feels like a very like you said like a, a a decade ago analyst kind of uh and not not really built for the the modern the modern game all right um kendrick perkins let me let, let me cook here. Right, let me cook i'll let here. you cook let me for a second. Case. i'll let, let you me, do let your me boston media mafia thing yeah here, let me, okay so I'll just get, you know, uh, this is a classic strategy in PR spin, okay? You get the bad thing out of the way first. This man has negative one billion ball knowledge. <laughs> I've never seen a man on national media be more wrong about more things more often than Kendrick Perkins, okay? Now that that's yes. out of the way. However, Kendrick Perkins has made national media shows a lot more fun. Um, We were heading towards one of the grossest um, of Nikola Jokic victory lap third MVPs of all time until Kendrick Perkins took a hold of the, <laughs> took a hold of the narrative and got Joel Embiid that MVP. That is the juice. And didn't even Kendrick vote for him. He voted for Jokic. <laughs> and that I think is, he voted for Jokic the two years before that too. That is the juice and that is why I like Kendrick Perkins because Kendrick Perkins is an X factor and he got, he does give like a weird, he's like the ultimate straw man. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a walking sure. straw man argument. Like he, he is the guy who would SpongeBob voice. I was told Steph Curry wasn't a good shooter. Like, like sure. he would say that. Like, so I think that that is a valuable role. And I think that he actually is a more essential part of the NBA media ecosystem than like Ramona Shelburne or like Tim McMahon. I would argue D tier for my guy, Kendrick Perkins. Now let's hear your rebuttal. Well, you know, I think that's fair. I think that, I think that Perkins, like you said, can be wrong a lot, Um, (laughs) but also he, he kind of, fits that mold of tv personality first take nba today whatever the show is called kind of perfectly because he he's kind of a football level reactionary guy where like Mm. i've always said that football allows you a little and and part of the reason why i think that uh someone like bill and rosillo are pretty good actually i should say bill more so than rosillo because rosillo is like weirdly not reactionary despite you know the politics uh, but he, um, he, cause he's always like, let's take a step back and think about this. Are we just overreacting? Whatever. On a week to week basis, it's easy to overreact to football because the small, the sample size is like a 10th of baseball. Uh, what is it? Fucking, uh, it's 
fucking an eighth or a fifth of the NBA regular season. And it's easy to overreact from week to week. Perkins kind of does this in an NBA capacity in a way that no one really does anymore. Like no one overreacts quite like guys like Perkins on television. Like I said, day to day, week to week, whatever you just saw last saying Bam at a bio is like the best center in the, or the second best center in the NBA uh, Mm. after the bubble when Jokic and Embiid were like, clearly like I think at the time we're clearly better and continue to be but uh like these kind of things that like you said wrong all the time but you kind of need someone to balance out the JJ Reddick types who are like trying to be so balanced and so let's take a step back or even the Zach Lowe's so I I, I will grant you I will grant you that he he gets the you say D tier yeah bench player yeah, along with Richard Jefferson, uh, that, that might kill you. They're in the same tier. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, look, he certainly has a unique personality. He just, like I said, the overreaction is necessary, but uh, the ball knowledge is just like crazy off the charts bad. <laughs> like, it's crazy yeah, it's really bad for me to put him bad. anything. All right, yeah. and now we have speaking of first take, easiest easiest Steven one in the world. I do. I even need to say it. God tier. God tier. The the God tier. The preeminent. He might be in double double God tier. Like if we had it, you know, this is the yes. He is the the alpha and the omega. The <laughs> um the like the he is the the Thanos of of sports journalism. Like it. We need to have a conversation at some point about how he was carrying Skip Bayless's corpse um for for Ooh. too long. You know. Wow. Yeah, I mean, look, he certainly he certainly has had quite the I, it's funny whenever he goes on Bill Simmons podcast that he reflects on his career and he talks about, you know, how he was fired for me. He has, he kind of has the he has your your uh nobody believed in me type come up story, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kicked off radio, kicked off ESPN, had to fight his way back on you know, started the show with Skip and then Skip ends up leaving for Fox and Stephen A is the workhorse. He's the main guy. He's the the literal king and god of takes. Like, there's no one that has the level of charisma, the level of kind of just, <laughs> just pulling shit out of his ass on the spot, saying shit, riffing, uh, you know, once again, he does overreact. He kind of has the Perkins overreaction thing, but he yeah. has perfected the take. Like he is the ultimate takesman. And Stephen A, like there, there's one clip I've always used where uh, he basically he has like <laughs> it's like a, almost like a soliloquy about James Harden, uh, and he has so many iconic moments like that. The Kwame Brown mm-hmm. uh, rant. The so many rants and moments, and he's he's a he's a sixteen game player, dude. He's built for the moment. He could do he could do in studio shit if you wanted him to do. He does side or he does post game shit on the court sometimes. He could probably he he's called games before, I believe. Uh, he could probably do that. I think he did it from the studio when they dropped out like a year ago during one random game. Uh, and he is. Fantastic on radio, television, podcasting. As he's the god, dude. He rules. He rules. If yeah. if we're talking about guys who have trailblaze, Bill and Barkley 
being in the S tier means Stephen A would be the third the third guy in this S tier of God, the yeah. God tier of uh, just changing sports media. Oh, so, yeah, just a five tool player, just in terms of like, you know, I, I talk about JJ Redick and um, Perkins having a nose for like where the zeitgeist is going to be. Stephen A invented that, you know, yeah. and he's on top of that, just like one of the greatest performance artists of the, the this American century. I, I'm sorry, like, this is, he passes the Barkley test that you're talking about. Like, if you're watching SportsCenter with, like, you know, your little brother who doesn't care about it, or your girlfriend, or your, you know, someone who's not interested, they're like, who is that? Like, like <laughs> Stephen A jumps off the screen. Like, he commands he, the room. He commands, he commands the room. Like, he is, yep. he, he just is e easy, easy S tier. For, yes. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's the king. He's the god. Yeah. Uh, no, no disrespect towards uh, Stephen A. Certainly has uh, has made it so that I mean he's made sports media the way it is probably more so than anyone else on this list. Yes, um, for better or worse. All right, yeah. so like Hammer Bill. Hammer Bill. I, I it's yeah, those two. I would say for sure. Bill Bill has like had more of an impact on like the niche boutique around the periphery. Stephen A has kind of commanded the center. Like he is. Yes. He, Stephen A has single-handedly shaped ESPN programming, I think. Wow. <laughs> Stephen A is the imperial core. <laughs> yes, he is. He really is. Like, he's the, he is the Palpatine. He is the Palpatine beating heart at the center of the worldwide leader. So. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, all right. Now we have the other half of the mismatch. <laughs> oh, let's go. <clears throat> Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O, yeah. San Francisco police defender. Or get mad Kevin, at Kevin, Kevin O, Elon defender. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I mean. We got to get this one off before KOC likes a tweet uh, about, like, what's going on in South Africa right now. So uh, we've got to get that off the chest before that happens. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's put KOC. <laughs> He's got to go. Cause that's the thing is like KOC doesn't even really have ball knowledge. Like that's why, that's why KOC is entertaining because I'm always, I'm always fascinated by what KOC's take is going to be because he's wrong in like such a different way <laughs> fundamentally from everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Cause like when most people are wrong, they're wrong because of like boomerisms or something like that. Sure. And he's like anti-boomer. Like he's like, he's kind of a calculator rat that like, doesn't read calculate you know what I'm saying? sure that like is completely taken in by like um vc companies that like fund like tracking data oh uh, like you know what i'm saying like like there's a uh, here kevin here's our new stat it's called glurpy and we have these glurpy cameras that tell us uh which uh which players are the best at glurps and then kevin will just be like in the thing being like you know Zach Levine is the best player by Glurp in the NBA. Like, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it turns out it's just like he he like was in the room with somebody. Like he's just he's a mark, you know. Like he was in the, yes. in the room with someone who was like doing that before. So um, that's I, KOC's legacy to me. Um, I I put him in the end of bench tier. I think the KOC is just extremely kind of a guy <laughs> like, I, don't, yeah, I don't really right. like that i don't know how else to describe him as a personality other than like he's on shows sometimes and he is gives a passable amount of ball knowledge and 
is has gotten better with podcasting and and kind of you know whatever he does but is still yeah he doesn't do anything for me as an analyst he's a diet zach low and like yeah. po- post prime zach low too not like a not right. like he's zach low zero uh with you know if zach low uh died to defend the least funny billionaire of all time um yeah. so yeah e sorry i i can't i also just the the twitter shit i can't i can't separate my opinion from that he's just ugh, he's the worst yeah. <laughs> um uh all right so we have zach now zach so zach is it is it speaking of like i said post prime i wouldn't say zach's in his prime anymore would you no, no. Zach's, I... zach's, zach's fell off like the last like three four years i would say well zach's role used to be like ultimate ball knowledge calculator rat like mm-hmm. like like he was the new york times of basketball knowledge sure I feel like you know like where it's like you kind of checked everything against zach low now zach has sort of moved into this dual like newsbreaker role where he's like you know, you kind of know where Zach's like front office allegiances are. Like he's very close with the Heat and Raptors. Um, you know, like he's got like his some of his places. Um, I still do think he's like better than pretty much everyone else on this list <laughs> in terms of ball knowledge. Sure, but um, you know, I, 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 you know, he's just not. He's not the slam dunk he used to be. Like he's still like he gets things wrong. I, like now more I'd say probably one out of every five low post episodes now he'll say something where I'm like what the fuck what? are you talking about <laughs> like, uh, like just a totally out of left field thing and that used to like never happen um the, there was an episode recently where I can't remember the name of the Clippers person that he had on but he had a Clippers person on and and keep in mind oh my young Mahaisuk yes yes yes, yes, yes. yeah so he had him on and keep in mind, we've talked about this all the time, but like Ohm probably is trying to protect his interests as well. Uh, and his access that he has for the Clippers, but the, and, and look, I've done it as a bit where I've talked up Terrence Mann on the podcast and in the discord mm-hmm. and people make fun of me for it and shit. Like I like Terrence Mann. He's a nice role player, Yeah, but the way they were talking about Terrence Mann was like, he was a 21 year old who, had like all NBA potential. Terrence Mann turns 27 in a few weeks. And now we're at the point of the, now we're at the point of the off season where Zach is like on coast mode, as people have pointed out to me, like he's, he's not going to push back on that kind of shit. But like, I feel like four years ago, three years ago, Zach would have pushed back on that and been like, look, Terrence Mann is a nice player, but like he's 26 about to be 27. Like, what are we doing Mm -hmm. here? And it's just little things like that that make me feel like Zach can't be in the top tier here. Uh, but, you know, I'm nitpicking. He still is one of the – and he's gotten way better on television. He's still one of the best podcasters. He's a good interviewer too if he doesn't have boring-ass guests on. Like sometimes ESPN gives him, I would imagine, whenever he has to like, interview players and shit. Uh, but overall, uh, Zach – I'm going to put Zach in the Hall of Fame tier. I think that just – uh, so, some of this is based on legacy and the fact that like it, it is impressive how Zach has had made such a ball. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Has made such a following out of being the ball knowledge. Like he was, 
at least until recently, one of the, he was always top five on the podcast charts. Like yeah. he's built this a huge brand with the low post of being the most knowledgeable sports basketball podcast out there. And unlike, unlike bills and unlike some of the others that I enjoy, he doesn't get into, he never gets into like the ESPN type shit that they do. And I, I by the yeah. way, I like that stuff. We do it on here. Sometimes it's fun yeah. to do it, it's but like, but like if you want a pure ball knowledge podcast, low posts uh, from a national perspective, that is, accessible for pretty much everyone zach is still the best yeah he's 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 the best and you know the, the other thing just a, a quick aside to um this this isn't gonna pop early on with zach you know this is like the antithesis of my stephen a smith point but zach is also low-key a hilarious character like sure a, a, like a com- mostly unintentionally but zach yeah. uh just curmudgeon grumpy zach is uh and the, the fact that I just know his tics so well, you know, like he he's essentially like a a cranky cousin to me who like, uh, I don't know, like lives in Iowa or something. And sure. is like mad about like parking going on during the Iowa State Fair or something like that. Like he's I was going to say he's uh, if Verno was molded by Stern, Zach was was molded by Larry David and, and Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah. The 90s canon of, uh, you know, pop culture. And what they yeah. were they were molded by it's it's very obvious in their personalities and just their overall aura I would say <laughs> right exactly yeah. exactly and then uh, we saved uh, worse for last we have <laughs> Reggie Reggie Miller I was gonna try to argue for Reggie and D tier but because I, 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 I'm trying to get past because like Reggie just like is a troll like he he is a troll like on the broadcast like sure. like he is going out of his way to needle everyone, which I, I do think is like kind of a bit, but I don't know who it's for. Cause I think he just kind of pisses everyone off, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Reggie, Reggie. Re- look, actually I will say based on some social media posts that I've seen from mm-hmm. Reggie, he seems like a very nice guy. I just think that his, he just is bad. <laughs> He's just not good at color commentating. He gets shit wrong constantly. He is, and like, look, I'm fine takes with takes and per- opinions and projecting and all that shit. We get, everyone gets shit wrong all the time. He gets like factual shit wrong regularly and just lets it, lets it go all the time. He's, he's not very good on the broadcast in terms of analysis. I, I just think that Reggie is a bottom tier. Like I, you could talk me into end to bench here, but I'm going overseas. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm putting him in the F tier. I'm not a Reggie Miller guy. I just think that like TNT had a stretch where it was like really terrible. How many like bad commentators they had, but Reggie kind of is the only one left for me where it's just like, if Reggie's on a game, I'm like, fuck, this is going to suck. Uh, great player great career uh you know no disrespect to him but no uh, made made new yorkers furious which is one of my favorite things yes also Uh, the only player that ever instilled uh at least a little bit of fear into the jordan bolts based on the the last dance it seemed like they were the only that was the only team that kind of they were they they shook them a little bit even though they never beat them but (laughs) yeah yeah that that looks that looks right to me though for a tier list Okay, so the God tier is Charles Barkley, Bill Simmons, and Stephen A. Smith. The Hall of Fame tier is Wendy and Zach Lowe. The All-Star tier is Rosillo, Doris Burke, Chris Vernon. Doris Burke and Chris Vernon, just like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ball don't stop. 
is also in there. I Let's want go. a four-man booth of those four. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I want I, perfect, perfect four-man booth right there. I kind of just want Doris Burke and Bull Don't Stop to meet and have a conversation. Like, she what is that? <laughs> she would love him. No, Dor- D- and Bull Don't Stop would respect her because Doris was a hooper. Like, like, like they would love each other. No, they would love each other. Like, like uh, yeah. that. I would love that. That. Yeah. Well, if Baldon Sop is ever in the, if he ever responds to my email, which he never will, but if Baldon Sop is ever in the Philadelphia area, uh, Doris Burke also lives here. We'll do a Uniball live and get both of them. Um, <laughs> let's go. Uh, C tier is him, Bon Temps, Doc Rivers, and JJ Redick. D tier is Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins. E tier end of the bench is um tim mcmahon momo ramona shelburne uh stan van gundy and kevin o'connor and overseas is bobby marks and reggie miller so i think i think this looks good i mean look there are certainly ones that could oscillate there are people that could move up and down but for now this is this is good i'm screenshotting this i'm not sharing this on twitter though because i just don't want people to yell at me um so (laughs) if you want to share it on twitter go ahead uh, but yeah, please don't sure, associate me sure, with yeah, it. No, t- put, put trills at underneath uh, link to the podcast so that I can get a bunch of, I- I've got, we've gotten so many bad, re- by the way, if you haven't reviewed the podcast on Apple, if you're listening this far, I'm sure you have, but if you haven't reviewed it on Apple or Spotify, I would appreciate it because people have given us negative reviews because they don't like my tweet sometimes. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. I had a, I have, we have a neg. we have a one star review from uh from someone in uh here hold on oh i actually got it let's go uh we got another one star review on here too another hater um Mm. but this this was from someone uh just disgusting one star you want me to read it okay yeah let's hear it the person who runs this podcast is insecure and makes fun of people dealing with mental health i can't even listen to it to this knowing what type people type of person he is even if i love the sixers by the way that was a milwaukee bucks fan who got mad because i made i I made a joke about Giannis, who which was taken out of context and he said that he was going to retire Giannis, and i said that he was lying because i didn't believe he was going (laughs) to retire which i i I feel pretty strong about that i think i feel pretty strong very well yeah I, i felt pretty pretty good about that and they uh, they they commented that pretending like they were a Sixers fan because apparently it was something about Giannis's um, it was apparently something about Giannis dealing with mental health issues that was not part of the quote that I didn't see. But anyway, so yeah, well, go on there I, and give I us a five star review. I, I for one agree that Trill is the problematic one on the podcast. Uh, it's not me. It's it's Trill. Trill's the Trill's, yes. it's, Trill, it's not. Uh, by the way, all of our podcasts are three hours long. Trill just has an hour of cutting <laughs> around every by every episode. Yeah, if but... you want to hear, if you want to hear the whole thing, just subscribe to the Udo Ball Patreon. Yeah, so. it's, uh, it's like a Bill Burr stand up set that I uh, <laughs> every uh, every time we're doing this, just repeating it word for word. All right, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back later in the week for the Patreon episode. Subscribe if you have not already. Peace. <laughs>